Here is Turis giving to Fabro coming on late. His shot, he scored! Dante Fabro took that puck laid across. And the Predators, after a missed opportunity at one end, come back and cut the lead in half at 3.13 of the second period. In front of the Coyotes bench, brought in Craig Smith. Goes over. Got a shot deflected back. Here's Ellison try and deflected in front by Nick Bonino. 3.21 to go, and the Predators now trail by two. As the Coyotes take the puck back behind their own net, as they go into victory formation, hockey style, and that will do it. The Arizona Coyotes defeat the Nashville Predators 5-2. And we welcome you into a Friday edition of Morning Drive. We are live this morning from Kitchen Notes inside of the Omni Nashville Hotel. If you're attending an event downtown, dine at Kitchen Notes and valet parking is free boys happy friday how are we this morning uh we are absolutely positively here we're here <laughs> can, can confirm i yeah. am so unbelievably breathing uh we're here uh, um now but we, we're doing great now here's the question though because do you have a computer after the what took place yesterday yes i do um okay, my so com- you do have a computer. yeah my okay. computer okay. is Yesterday, when I went home, out on you. yeah, after it kind of did the fuzzy thing on me at work, and it was I like had to right, lower it at, at, what was it, 45-degree angle, sort of? Right in yeah. the middle of the show. Is that like an obtuse angle? No, 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 acute. Acute, acute yeah, angle, yeah. not obtuse. Obtuse would be more yeah, than more the, the 90. Other, yeah, more than 90, but acute angle. Hashtag, so I, the more you I, know. Yeah, I had to bring it down a little bit, but then yesterday, I got it up to 90-degree angle. Oh, so... So it was up and it was working. Well, that's so what Cool Springs I, MDs for to get absolutely. it working. I think I, I, I did. I did ride by Cool Springs MD. They, so get, maybe. they get you to ninety degrees quick now, <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> no more cute angles <laughs> or obtuse angles. Straight up, ninety degrees. Um, so I, I was just making sure because you haven't yeah. pulled it. You haven't pulled the. Uh, I haven't pulled it out. You yet. haven't pulled your yeah. ninety degrees out yet. Yeah. So we'll, we'll hey, wasn't that a boy band? Ninety degrees. Ninety eight. Ninety-eight degrees. Yeah, yeah, you're not, just not, a couple degrees off. You're, you're not that. You're not. So, that do hot. you want to be ninety-eight degrees? That's your body temperature. No, it beats being forty-two degrees. No, like but it do you want to be ninety-eight point six? Your body temperature. Do you want to be ninety-eight degrees? I would rather be ninety degrees. Ninety-eight degrees. You might well, have a problem. So, ninety degrees, you'd be in like hypothermia. So, are we talking body temperature? Or are we talking air? Because <laughs> I don't want either of them at ninety or ninety-eight. I'm just saying, I'd, I want at ninety, 71. at ninety, I'm good. But at ninety-eight. Uh, not quite so. <laughs> well, and if you keep going to Cool Springs MD at 90, listen, you probably still will be good. Listen, everyone's ang- everyone's angle is their own angle, okay? Everyone's got their that. own angle. Oh, you've got your children on there. That's so cute. No, Adorable. It, oh, check it out. So, uh, And I know we got to get to the Preds. No. I mean, they lost. No, God darn it. Yeah, we'll get to that debacle. Uh, no more defense. Sorrow shouldn't start another game. No, I'm just playing, people. I'm just listen, playing. Listen, you've been playing. preaching that. Yes, I've been preaching that. And every time he started, he's giving up at least four goals. But, no, I, Soros is great. He's just having a rough time. Um, so, you know, when I, when I was growing up, you know, my brothers went off to college. The best thing, you know, the most favorite thing for me was to go visit my brothers in college. Oh, I imagine. Um, you know, because they were, they were, you know, four or five years older than me. When I go up there, you know, they're hanging you with them. You never did anything wrong, right? Never did anything wrong. Hang right. with them. They always took care of me. So I felt like the big man on, on campus. Is that like central, eastern Michigan? They or went to eastern Michigan, eastern yeah. Michigan? And that's, that's Ypsilanti, Michigan, folks. And I was like, and I was like the big man on the campus because I was the little brother, you know. And 
go up there with my brothers, and you know we have a lot that's of fun. That's where you and, learned everything and, and everything. That's where you so, learned how to play the game. Okay. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Started at a young age. Um, so that was Excuse those me, times man. I remember. Uh, you know, as if they were yesterday, because we had a bunch of fun. Uh, didn't go up there a lot, but when I did go up there, we had a bunch of fun. They, you know, brothers took care of me. So spring, fall break now, uh, and my daughter's 20 years old, and, and she's off to college. She's a junior in college. My son's a senior in high school. So, you know, my daughter, they are, they are the best to each other, but my daughter wanted my son to come visit her uh, at her college for, for a few days for their break. So, you know, I'm like, okay, cool. Her and her mom, cool. So he flies up there and he got to take the Uber. A of his life. He got to take the Uber and everything else. So we got to kind of, you know, send us, the, send us a snapshot do you have a, do you have of a the tracking? Uber. Do you yeah. Have, did you guys do the tracking thing on their phones? Yeah. Well, not on the phone, just on the Uber thing. Is it called Find My Friend or Find, find my, my Phone or whatever? Yeah, Find, so the, one of my, other, find my Phone or Find My Friend. One, one, of, my, one of my bosses, Mitch Light does it. Like, I don't know if I'm calling him out here i hope i'm not like he, <laughs> his kids are like he has, what? <laughs> he has he, both of his kids phones are on the uh you know he can like look up and see yeah, on, yeah on his it, app. It's rightfully so you should because nowadays did you do that with them yeah because okay. people are crazy um but you know he sends us a screenshot of him getting in the uber then you know <laughs> make sure to Uber everybody so i call him he's like in the back seat just chilling you know just take a through, picture when you pick up your city please you know? send me a photo when you get your luggage please send me a photo when you get in the cab please send me a photo when you get out no, of the cab they don't take cabs right they take ubers oops whatever ubers everywhere. Everywhere. Take, yeah. please, uh, please send me a no, photo when you're uber standing in get mad they're not cabs that's what they say okay. uh, no so it's just and now he's there with her and and you know they went bowling but then you know he, he calls me. It's like, Dad, can can I get some money? We need to uh, go get some eat. Then my daughter screams in the background, "We're not going to get nothing to eat. We're cooking." So, oh, my daughter's cooking for well, him. And I like how the daughter just lays it down. For yeah. the son, like, nah, dude, this yeah. is what we're doing. Oh, but he he listens to his sister. That's one thing he does. He Smart he listens kid. to his sister um, to the nth degree. But it's just what's the uh, what's the age difference? Um, they are three years. Three? Three. Yeah, he's seventeen. She's twenty. Yeah, three years. So he'd be twenty. She'd be eighteen when he, she turned twenty-one. He'd be turning eighteen um, in July. So that's three years. But they got that healthy age of you. You annoy me, but I love you so much. And when we're together, you know, we're together. Nobody messes with us. Right. But when we're at home and you annoy me, I just want to punch you in the face. Uh, meaning my daughter wants to punch my son in yeah, the face. Yeah, siblings are great. Um, but it's just you know now looking at it, it's like man, that right there. That's mm-hmm. that's what it's. I, you know what? I feel for you, buddy. Who, me? You, yeah. Yeah. Why, oh, why, why is that? When the girls go off to college, boy. What if, what if oh, they I'll, I'll be dead by then. <laughs> what, what if they don't go to the same place? Like, have you talked, oh, have you talked wow. to your wife about this? Like, does Kristen want them to go to the same place? Or like, no, we're just trying to get through the weekend. Just, <laughs> just trying to survive yeah. tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah, we'll worry about uh, 20, uh, 2033 when we get there. Better start, and they already got it marked. <laughs> you, better start, you better start planning, man. Oh, man. Because we're going to have two in college at the same time, too. And yep. that, that, that hits you like a freight train when you, oh, when you yeah. didn't plan that part of it, and all of a sudden you're – Staring down at your newborn daughter, and she's the second one within eighteen months of the first one. And you're, and after about three months, you look at each other and you go, "Wait a second, mm-hmm. they're both going to be in college at the same time. How are we going to do that?" Okay, let's start. Let's start planning now. Yep. It is Morning Drive. We are live this morning, not at our wholesaling studio powered by RumbleOn.com. We're at Kitchen Notes inside of the Omni Nashville Hotel. Last night, Arizona defeated the Predators 5-2. to two. You had two goals from Phil Kessel, a goal from Dante Fabro and Nick Benino. Uh, a couple of things that stood out last night from a negative standpoint, only three shots for the Predators in the first period. Uh, the offense, without Philip Forsberg in the lineup, certainly looked different. 
Uh, and here we go again with another early season struggle out of the gate from goaltender UC Soros. Stark contrast between Pekka and UC. Four games for Pekka, three for UC. Four wins, three losses. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I mean, you know, is this a trend? Um, you know, because we've seen Soros play. He's arguably arguably been the best backup in in, in, in NHL um, the last couple of years. And this season, for some reason, um, they've struggled. And now I, w- I would love to know what part of it is Soros because they have some of the same struggles with Pekka, giving up goals. Um, so I want to know, is it the goalie in particular or is it what's around them? Because, we, you know, we, we've preached on this show that, yes, you. Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 1025, the game. Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquise with you live here on a football Friday. We're at the Omni Nashville Hotel inside of Kitchen Notes. So last night, boys, interesting developments in that god-awful Thursday night football game. The Kansas City Chiefs beat the Broncos 30-6. to what, what, a, what, a, what a terrible night for sports. Every single Every one of them d- disappointed. No drama across the board. Baseball, college football, hockey, everything was bad. I'm happy about the baseball, though. Go, 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 Stros. Good. The heck with the Yankees. Yeah. Uh, 30-6, to six, but the big it. story is, of course, Patrick Mahomes was not 100% going into last night's game. Andy Reid runs a quarterback sneak with Mahomes, and he aggravates a knee. Now it looks like the reigning MVP of the league is going to be out for an extended period of time, and they've got a dilemma as to what they do. Oh, man. Yeah, and it depends on – listen, obviously all of this conversation depends on the extent of the injury. If they think it's on the short end of the spectrum, right, three to four weeks, I think you just roll with Matt Moore and you try to survive. And, you know, listen, one of those games is the Titans, so um, you feel like you can win that one. Um, they play the Packers, I think, as well. So th- there are a couple of tough games in there, and, and it's not like a Titans defense is easy to score on. So it, it, it will – Matt, I think, I think Dean Pease would, would – would do a pretty good job against Matt Moore. So I think every game would be tough to win with Matt Moore. If it is, in fact, a more difficult injury, a, a, like a longer-term injury, maybe a seven-week, eight-week injury, mm-hmm. he comes back and you know, maybe like week 14, 15, 16, so he gets a couple of games to get ready for the playoffs. You're still talking about a huge chunk of games that could cost you a trip to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, now, sitting at five, they five and two, right? Sitting at five and two, it seems unlikely that they would miss the playoffs, even if they went 500 without Mahomes. But I immediately, I, I saw the injury and I was like, "Up," oh, because I've been saying it for two weeks now. We've joked about him, Marcus Mariota, going to the Patriots. But the only other team I think it, that works really well is backing up Patrick Mahomes. He, he, he doesn't have the same arm as Mahomes, but he would fit in Andy Reid's system the way Alex Smith fit very well in, in Andy Reid's system. I immediately was like, call the Chiefs now. If it's a really serious injury, you offer a Mariota for a third-round pick. You throw Ryan Tannehill to the Wolves for the rest of the season. You sign a veteran free agent at the end of the year, and you pick your quarterback in the draft. Done and done. And and then it, then it's over. You've moved on. You've gotten value for an asset that could walk away at the end of the year. If you're the Chiefs, you don't have a lot of leverage right now because you're facing starting Matt Moore for however many, many games it's going to be. I, I just think if I'm the Titans, I'm, I would look at the issue now. That would mean punting on the season, in my opinion. Huh? Uh, the the Titans. Now they may already be there as it, as it is, um, but to me, if you're going to go to bat with Ryan Tannehill and Logan Woodside as your two quarterbacks, you're probably punting on the season. If you're going to bat with Marcus and Tannehill, you might be still punting on the season to begin with. But I don't, I don't know why you don't call him. If I'm John Robinson, I give him a call and say, "Hey, how how injured really is Mahomes? If he's out for more than 
six or seven weeks, you're going to need a quarterback. I got one for you that will fit your system. Uh, in theory, that's great. But if I'm going to trust anybody with my quarterback is Andy Reid, uh, I think he can take us three slappies and put us in underneath center, and we can have a pretty good game. Uh, that's how I am good. working for the wrong man. Picture Braden running the RBO. I need to go. I need to go. I need to go work for Andy Reid. That's how good I think Andy Reid is when it comes to quarterbacks. If you just look at his 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 past history with, with certain quarterbacks, don't you think he'd light it up done. in that system with those players? Oh, that, I'm not saying he wouldn't, but if 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 I'm the Kansas City Chiefs, why do I make that move? Because if I believe so much in my coach then I'm going to let him do what he does best uh, with his – because he has a track record of taking mediocre to good quarterbacks and making them play above their level. And I think he will do that with Matt Moore. Now, Matt Moore – What if they go 0-2 in his first two starts? Because he's terrible. Cause Matt, Matt Moore's not good. I mean, I, I'm not saying – but he has a – here's the thing. Matt Moore has enough weapons around him that only thing Andy Reid says, just get rid of – I, Andy Reid schemes people open. That's what he yeah. does better than anybody, I think, in the National Football League. He schemes people open. So Matt Moore's job is easy. I'm not saying you're wrong in regards to, you know, the Titans calling him up and saying, yeah, hey, and, listen. And listen it's, just you know, a, it's just a tweet exactly. in a radio show idea. It's not like it's got any real legs. I'm not, yeah. I'm not reporting it or anything. It's just if I'm – I think Matt Moore is a replacement level quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think Marcus Mariota is above pre- replacement level. Yeah, he would be oh, better. Yeah, he sure. gives him a far better chance to win games. And if all of a sudden they look up and they've lost twice with with Matt Moore, because I think the trade deadline is in two weeks. If they if they've lost twice and they're up against it and they're looking at who knows, you know, if the Raiders or whoever's you know the Chargers get on a roll and they're tracking them down in the division, and all of a sudden, you know, it's looking like they might not win the division, or maybe they're not like, and, and maybe the injuries again. I think the injury would have to be more serious than just a three or four week injury. I think it would have to be a two month injury, where you know you're going to miss like seven or eight games, and then you you look at that hole on your roster as a much bigger hole, right? Like Matt Moore, now you got to go four and four, not uh-huh. just two and two, and that's a lot harder to ask of Matt Moore, even with. And I agree with you, even with Andy Reid's ability to turn, you know, chicken you know what into chicken salad so i, I but but here, here's the question though i think I even, I even said this to you off the air what does the chiefs do with a guy are like are you willing to give up a draft pick which is let's face it in the nfl they're gold for a guy that you don't even know that you could re-sign because marcus is going to be a free agent sure i i've always just operated under the assumption that like if i was a general manager i can't give up future assets and capital Unless I know I can resign a player that I'm getting in return, I think you. That's certainly a, question, a question, and I think you would have to have some sort of like, hey, would Marcus be interested in resigning as a backup for for Mahomes? And if the answer is yes from the agent, then then you've got your answer, right? Um, those are the kind of questions you ask before trades. But but I also think Marcus not being under contract is it, it's like that to me is seen. I think that's seen as value if I'm the Chiefs. Because then that gives us flexibility. We bring in Marcus Mariota, and we can go, you know what? We, we like what he's done. We really think he's played well. We think he fits well in the system, and we love – are you willing to be a backup for, you know, whatever, $11 million a year? And maybe Marcus says, yeah, that's something I'm interested in. Or, you, you know, you go, all right, hey, you, you won us six out of eight games, and you've kept us in a division championship hit, uh, run. Mahomes is coming back in week 15, and thank you – and, and your backup – throughout the postseason just in case anything were to re if he re-aggravates an injury we've got you on the roster it, 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 and oh by the way you know best of luck after the season I, I think it gives them flexibility to some degree because I see what you're saying I just don't know if 
he, again, maybe that maybe that's where the price of the draft pick shifts. I like third round. I would not give up Marcus for anything less than a third round pick, just because I think he has more value to you on your current team. I think he can win you games today. But you know, you have leverage if if the Chiefs' injury, if the injury to Mahomes is worse than if it's if it ends up being the worst it could be, they need something, and you've got leverage in that situation where you can say. You know, do you deal with the contract. Give us a third-round pick or a fourth-round pick, and let's go to, go to town. Let, let, let's play along and continue this, take it the next step further. Then the question is, okay, if you're the Chiefs, let's say you are interested in Marcus Mariota, and there's been conversations between the Chiefs front office and John Robinson here in Tennessee, well, then Andy Reid's got to sit there and say, okay, yeah, I know Marcus is clearly a more accomplished quarterback than Matt Moore, but getting acclimated to the players, the system, the scheme, the playbook – would it be more detrimental to do that and bring Marcus in as opposed to Matt Moore, who is clearly further along under, quote, right. Andy Reid's system? Yeah, a totally fair question. Um, that's up to Andy Reid to decide, right? And, and, and what I don't worry about with Marcus is, is sort of like the work ethic and the understanding. We saw Jimmy Garoppolo step into Kyle Shanahan's system and win games instantly. So it, it can be done. And Derek says it all the time that the Andy Reid system is so quarterback friendly and he's so good at getting – quarterbacks to maximize their ability that I, I, I maybe there's a game or adjustment but I don't know I think he can catch up with that system fairly quickly um, but that's a that's totally a fair question only Andy Reid can answer that question like hey I think he would he would pick up the system quickly and we'd be fine and he'd clearly be an improvement on Matt Moore or hey my system's really complicated it's going to take him three or four weeks and it's not worth it if Mahomes is coming back at a, in a shorter period of time. But but also how about this guys the amount of quarterbacks that we are seeing going oh, it's, down it's in this insane, dude. this this theme and trend continues so I, I just jotted down a few last night uh, so Andrew Luck retired Ben Roethlisberger out for the year Breeze Foles Trubisky hurt Mariota Manning benched Darnold with mono Cam Newton hurt Mahomes hurt and uh, I saw somebody that covers the NFL uh, I don't even know who this is. But he tweeted out last night, 14 teams in the NFL, so 14 out of 32, have had to use at least two quarterbacks this season. Almost half the league. Well, I mean. It's crazy. It happens that way sometimes. It's, sometimes, you, you you know, there's a season where these starting quarterbacks don't get hurt, or if they are hurt, they don't miss games. But then there's years where, you know, you see, like this year, you see a bunch of starting quarterbacks go down. And, you know, you just hope that your backup is capable, whether it be go down by injury or you got to replace them because of play. Um, you know, it seems like this year has taken a big hit um, on, 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 on starting quarterbacks, either or. Either it's because you couldn't produce, I had to sit you, or, you know, you've been injured and you got to sit down a couple of weeks. 615-737-1025 is always the number. If you want to jump in on the show, 737-1025, you can tweet us. You can follow us at 1025 underscore MD. We will come back and get ready for what used to be something special, the third Saturday in October. Now it's just an annual beatdown. But nonetheless, we will discuss it. The Vols, Alabama, coming up on Saturday in Tuscaloosa. Our pal Josh Ward from WNML in Knoxville will join us after this here on Morning Drive. Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. We are live this morning from Kitchen Notes inside of the Omni Nashville Hotel. Nick Braden, D-Mace, and Marquise. <laughs> are you just now seeing the text? Yes. Yeah. 
I'm not sure I, I agree with it, but whatever. <laughs> I'm just laughing. Oh, man, Marquise, you ain't got nothing better to do. <sighs> we'll uh, we'll do a little side-by-side image on social media. I, know, I knew you were going to yeah. do it, yes. Yeah. We'll get to that. Uh, but let's welcome in our pal Josh Ward from WNML in Knoxville. When is the third Saturday in October going to mean something again? Well, that's uh, an annual question at this point, and uh, popped up again this week. The scheduling in the SEC, Tennessee fans, you still want to see the game there, and you get you get a split with that answer. I feel like every year, though, there's there's a little bit more percentage going the other way with Tennessee fans saying, if it went away, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but it just <laughs> hasn't been competitive, and uh, Jeremy Pruitt even talked about that earlier this week. Well, and it's been long stretches. Even when, 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 like in the '90s, Tennessee won all the games in a row, like nine or ten in a row, whatever it was. So it's it's a very streaky series. And um, it, you know, you asked me this on your show, Josh, on Wednesday. Sort of what what is it that you'd like to see or learn about Tennessee? What can they accomplish in this game? And and I, n- not trying to be flippant at all, just said I want to see them come out of the game fully healthy. It, what, what is there to be learned and to be gained from this game if you're Jeremy Pruitt and this Vols team? I do agree that the number one priority is health uh, because you still have half a season to go, five games after this weekend. And there's still a lot that can be accomplished considering the really disappointing start. And if you deal with a bunch of injuries, that makes it more difficult. Here's something I'll say, though, is how does Tennessee play up front on defense? Because last week was really good for Tennessee against Mississippi State with 10 tackles for loss, seven sacks, six of those guys, uh, six of those sacks from guys up front on the defensive line. That was an incredible improvement from the week before when Tennessee did not register a quarterback hurry against Georgia. So if Tennessee can create a little more pressure, can uh, can get into the offensive backfield against Alabama uh, more than maybe we expect, that's a good sign of progress over the last couple of weeks where Tennessee was against another high-level team in Georgia. So line of scrimmage play, I think, is just so important on both sides as it relates to Tennessee. Of course, you want good play along the lines of scrimmage, but it's been such a concern for Tennessee over the last few years. If Tennessee continues to show progress there, they're getting a little healthier on the offensive line, that could be a good sign for what Tennessee could do next week against South Carolina and moving forward the rest of the season. Now is because Henry 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 Toto, if I'm pronouncing his last name right, this is a guy that's a five out, yeah. star guy, the guy that chose um UT over over Alabama and some other um, universities. Is he the one guy on defense that you see as the as the as the standout as a surprise player, or is or or are there other guys on that defensive side of the ball? Even though I know the defense is not playing as well, but are there individual guys that are, are that are holding their end of the bargain on that defensive side of the ball? Yeah, Toto Toto is the guy that I think Jeremy. Toto, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he's just kind of. Tennessee try to build around him. I guess that's literally the case with him being inside, but they need more guys up front on the defensive line through recruiting. Uh, but those guys have taken some nice steps, but in terms of talent and potential, it's him. Uh, some, of the, some of the guys that have progressed along the defensive line, like Matthew Butler and Latrell Bumpus, those are really positive signs for uh, for UT moving forward because they still have some time left. But Toto as a freshman came in, and I think wowed the coaches what he understood and what he'll be able to do. And then uh, let's see what Kovars Crouch is able to do. He's still learning a lot uh, at linebacker. He'll actually be a starting inside linebacker in the first half because Toto is suspended for the first half because of the targeting ejection. But uh, Pruitt still loves the way that he plays. And Crouch is a guy that I think is going to be a really good pass rusher over the next couple of years. He's another true freshman. They need more help in the secondary. They need higher level play there. 
Uh, and uh, how Tennessee covers Alabama, I just I have no idea uh, this weekend. But moving forward, Toto is a guy that uh, yeah, he, he's been asked to do a lot, and he's done it, and uh, he'll do even more for Tennessee moving forward. Josh, earlier this week on the show, we played the audio of Jeremy Pruitt kind of joking about how, you know, a high school football team in Arkansas, they always go for the two-point conversion. They always kick onside kicks. They go for it on fourth down. They never punt, and it's it's been successful for them. Obviously, Pruitt saying that tongue-in-cheek, but is, is there something to this week where, you know, Pruitt and Cheney and the coaching staff say, you know what, we're a massive underdog here. We've been outscored 152-38 to 38 the last three years. We're going forward this week, and will we see just an aggressive mindset from the coaching staff as to certain, you know, coaching situations throughout the actual game itself? Yeah, I think we'll see more aggression from Tennessee. Realistically, they're not going to just uh, go full Arkansas high school football and, and go for it on every down, every every play, never kick to Alabama. But if Tennessee's at midfield and has a fourth and six, fourth and seven, when he would normally punt, I could see Jeremy Pruitt going for it. If he sees a spot where Tennessee has scored, they should try an onside kick. I, I think he wants to see something there, but if he does, I think he's going to go for it. So we'll see more of that uh, this week, I would imagine. If it's fourth and 15 at the wrong 10, you're going to see Joe Doyle on the field punting football back to Alabama, and then uh, Tua will just score in two plays. But uh, I think that uh, I think Jeremy Pruitt knows he doesn't really have too much to lose, but if, if he rolled out uh, a completely new uh, gimmicky plan as it would be viewed by Tennessee fans if Tennessee goes out and loses by 50 points. That's not going to be received too well on Sunday or Monday. So you'll probably see some kind of hybrid aggressive approach from Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, Josh, I know Brian Maurer seems like he's a game-time decision, so any update on his status? And just sort of what, what have you seen from him in the first couple of games? It, it feels like there's an energy level there with him that maybe an intensity that just was missing with, with Garantano. So I, I don't know what you've seen from him. What do you like about him, and then do you expect him to start this weekend? I do expect him to start. There's no official update. The The latest would be that Tennessee expects him to be good to go. He has taken first-team reps this week in practice, and I don't think Tennessee would have done that all the way through the week without expecting him to start. So I, I don't know that it's really a game-time decision, as Jeremy Pruitt has described. It may be game-time that we find out officially who is starting what I like about him is that the energy that he's brought to the team, I think within the program, uh, to the fan base as well, there's been a legitimate spark there with him at quarterback. The concern would be the turnovers. If that continues, that could become a problem because uh, something that can be deflating for the team's energy is to get into the red zone and to give the ball up a couple of times and to keep trotting off the field, having not scored points. Uh, it, in, in full drives with Brian Mauer at quarterback, Tennessee's turning it over about one out of every four drives. And uh, in the first half, that could have been really costly, what he did against Mississippi State. So he has playmaking ability, both with his arm and his legs. Players love the way that he plays. He does have to take better care of the football because some of those mistakes could cost them a game later in the season, which could cost them the postseason at the end of the season. Josh, always a pleasure. We appreciate the time. Thank you very much. You got it. Thanks a lot, guys. You got it, Josh Ward from WNML in Knoxville. Uh, and, Braden, to your point, we talk about this streakiness in this series Tennessee won seven straight starting in 1995, obviously, which coincides with Peyton Manning into T. Martin into the early 2000s. And then Alabama follows it up with an 8-0-1 stretch. And now we know clearly Nick Saban on a killer stretch right now. Yeah, it's very streaky. And I think it's a worthy conversation. You know, listen, I think the old guard of Tennessee fans would probably be upset to see the, the rivalry sort of taken off the books. 
because again, this is the same conversation we had with LSU and Auburn, or, or um, excuse me, Florida and Auburn, right? Why? How can it really be a rivalry if you're only playing once every 12 years, you know, in in a in a person's stadium? So there would be a sacrifice you'd have to make. I think the new fans who only have known Saban domination are, are probably like, yeah, get that game off the schedule. Who cares? Um, I do think the older fans would be probably a little, you know, nostalgic about that rivalry, but. If it helps your program no longer automatically have a loss in in the Eastern Conference in the SEC, wouldn't you have to consider maybe changing that? And if the SEC is talking about moving away from you know having a guaranteed rival and crossover or doing away with divisions or whatever the future the SEC may look like, it, it's got to be good if you're not facing Alabama every single stinking year, at least until Saban retires. Once Saban retires, who knows? Maybe Alabama's bad, and all of a sudden it's a like you said, it's a streak where Tennessee wins every year. But I. I don't. I don't really see that happening anytime soon. I I think that would be bad for college football. Um, just because the team is dominating at this point in time, you can't then say, you know what? Let's do away with the rivalry because this it's just so lopsided that it's pathetic. We don't want you know Alabama's uh, you know head and shoulders above what Tennessee is now their program. So let's do away with the rivalry. No, I think you keep it in, and it, and it still gives you know the the those kids in that program something to look toward. It still gives, you know, the, the fan base. So it, it's an automatic loss, but I'm just saying, relative to the other teams in the East, where you're you're Vandy and you're playing Ole Miss every year, or I mean, you're, but, but you're Missouri and you're playing Arkansas okay, every so, year. Like, so do you? So you're, you get, do you're you want to up on everybody? Do you want to re- relegate your program to Vandy and, and Missouri? No, no, of course not. But that's where. The, so da- so basically, those, the, but those two have been better programs. I know, than Tennessee but the last what I'm saying years. is that is that okay? You take away that game, you basically relegating yourself to those we are below those programs my thing is keep the rivalry going eventually you know the tie will shift and not to say <laughs> that, exactly and not to say that you know i mean um ut will go on and, and at one point win 20 straight no but i think it'll get to a point where you know this 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 thing will be a little bit more even because Nick Saban is not coaching forever, and 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 Tennessee will find a great coach at, exactly. At, at some so I'm point, saying, but. keep the rivalry, deal with it, and because I think it's it's a measuring stick too. I think if you play when you play Alabama, if you see those incremental, you know, building blocks, you you know, once you watch film, you see that the incremental steps you're yeah. making to get better, then you can say, okay, you know what? Even though we lost, I get it, we're going to lose, yeah. but still. That rivalry means something. It, it does. There's no question. I, I just think it's a part. It's one part of a larger conversation in uh-huh. the SEC, which is why is it that LSU is going to play at Missouri one time in 20 years? Yeah. You know, like we, we th- this is what Bill Connolly was talking about. Like, why is Florida and Auburn not happening more often? Why? Why are so? It's it's both sides of it, right? Yeah. It's not just hey, we do we want to get rid of rivalries, but it's also do we want to build other new rivalries? I'd love to see Tennessee and Texas A&M play more often, right? Yeah. Like, I think that's a that's a the Alvin Kamara game down in overtime in College Station was fantastic. So I just think you'd like to see Tennessee play Auburn more often. You'd like to see him play just more teams. I think everyone wants to see more teams playing more often in the SEC. And frankly, if there's going to be an automatic bid, on, and I've said this a million times, if we're going to go to a system where the playoff expands and there's automatic bid on the line, I don't want to see 8-4 and four South Carolina playing 12-0 and 0 Alabama in the SEC t- title game. I want to see the best two teams this year it'd be LSU and Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. I, even if it's a rematch, I'd want to see the best two teams playing in Atlanta of the 14, which means you have to do away with divisions altogether. So I, I just there's lots of moving parts to the future of the SEC schedule, and getting rid of some of these traditional rivalries may be part of it. But what you do is instead of you know instead of playing once every 12 years or every year, 
you find a middle ground, right, where you rotate and you're playing every three years or every four years. And so it's sort of a compromise between the two. Well, CBS didn't want the game, and ESPN said, you know what, this year we're going to put Alabama-Tennessee as a 9 o'clock Eastern kickoff. Wow. Think about that. That's late. 8 o'clock our time tomorrow yeah. night. That's good for wow. me. The kids will be in bed. Tells you what the, the, the executives at Networks think about the third Saturday uh, in October right now. I'll be well, settling I mean, in. For the... When the first quarter is over, the first half is over, everybody will probably be asleep. Yeah. Or too drunk to realize what the score is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we will come back. Uh, Rashard Matthews <laughs> with some very interesting comments and a couple of select words that he chose to use that really stood out yesterday on the Darren Donick and Chase show. Obviously, Rashard Matthews, former Titan receiver, former Dolphin receiver, played with both Matt, uh, Tannehill and Mariota, and he had some strong words yesterday. You're going to hear those next on Morning Drive. That's right. It's a morning drive. We're live this morning here on a football Friday, broadcasting from Kitchen Notes inside of the Omni National Hotel. The biscuits are ready. The breakfast is being served. Braden Gall has, I don't know what you have there, but I am. I've created a masterpiece. Jealous. Very excited. So right I, now. there's one, there's very few things I want to instill on my daughters very, very early in life, and that is making a sandwich is an art form. And if you're going to make a sandwich, you need to take pride in that sandwich. You need multiple layers of, of goodies on your sandwich. Um, I, I take very delicate care when I'm at home making a sandwich. At least six or seven items on a sandwich, it, 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 ideally. I don't have that here. I'm playing a road game, but I got a. <laughs> but defense travels. But defense travels, and I've got. But what I've got here would that be considered defense if you're making a sandwich? That'd be more so offense, right? It, probably, maybe. Yeah. Um, his no, heart. His heart's playing defense. Yeah. Right now. No idea. <laughs> no idea what the maybe it's special teams. I don't know. But uh, but but when you're at Kitchen Notes, you got to go with biscuits, and so they have the chocolate and marshmallow biscuit, which I am not currently eating. I think Nick's already had. Did you already have one of those? Uh, I went no. bacon cheddar. So they have a bacon cheddar biscuit. Uh-huh. So I took the bacon cheddar biscuit, then s- slid in a little blueberry sausage uh-huh. with some eggs and cheese and tomato, uh-huh. and I've got myself a little biscuit sandwich there, a little breakfast sandwich uh-huh. from Kitchen Notes. So it's good work by you. I'm feeling and pretty. I pull out my healthy mm-hmm. shake. I'm feeling pretty good about it right now. Talk to me again in three hours. D-Mace pulled out a 48-ounce pomegranate milkshake. Yeah, absolutely. Is there it's, kale there's in there? No milk. It, well, is there any it's, Nick um, kale? It's kale there's um, almond milk, a lot of berries, yeah. fruits. This is what you call health people. Well, you're going to live till you're 90. We've already, I know. I'm going to live till I'm 108. That. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you right. have to. Yeah. Exactly. To. And I got some chips. All right. I don't know if Rashard Matthews will live till he's 108, but he did walk away from the NFL, and he said, you know what? I'm done with this league. I'm done with the multiple teams. I'm checking out. But he did check in yesterday on the Darren, Donick, and Chase show, and I think Rashard Matthews is a really good guy to have on to talk about quarterbacks because he's played with Marcus. He's played with Ryan Tannehill. Let's take a listen to what he had to say about former Tennessee Titans starting quarterback Marcus Mariota. He loves being a leader, but, you know, in high school and college, you can you can be that uh, that silent leader. But when you get in the league, like, you're around grown men. you got to demand greatness from grown men. you got to – they got to be able to, you know, see that every day and, and not just, you know, every now and then. And uh, But, you know, at the end of the day, the, the quarterback has to be a leader of the team. He has to be vocal. He can't be uh, forced to be vocal. You know, and I think that's kind of what's, what's hurt Marcus a little bit, you know, is having that chemistry. Some people aren't, you know, they're not meant to do that, you know. And I'm not saying, like, Marcus isn't meant to do that. But, like, you know, I mean, he has that cool, calm, collective personality, you know, uh, which is good and, and there's nothing wrong against it. It's just he's so respected that nobody wants to keep it real. You know, everybody's afraid to be real with him. And, you know, um, sometimes I think uh, people are 
force and situations to, to kind of baby him along the way. But I think that um, it's just tough for people to, to be um, that real with a, uh, such a respective, cool guy. I mean, he's cool. I mean, you know, you don't want nothing bad. But at the end of the day, you're in his business to win. So a couple of things that stood out there was it almost made it seem like from, from his perspective that being a silent leader is not necessarily the best way to go. But then also the part about babying him yeah, it's, stood out to me as it, well. It's, it's two very separate conversations, and I picked up on that too. One is, was nobody able to tell him the truth about what was going on because they were concerned about you know how he would take it or because they like him because they respect him so you don't you know when you like somebody you might take mm-hmm. you might be nicer to them right like that's just sort of standard human emotion the the one that was interesting to me though is and I find this to be fascinating and Derek you can answer this question because you've been in so many locker rooms do you have to be a yeller and a screamer to be a great leader we've talked about Marcus needing to go to his receivers and saying I need you to get open and attack the football and make it yours. We've talked about mm-hmm. that before. We've talked about Corey Davis needing to do that. Roman Yossi's not that way. I mean, not everybody is like that. Do you have to be vocal, yeller, a screamer, or whatever, to be a great leader? I don't, I don't know if you have to. The other part where, hey, we're not going to tell you the truth because we like you, that's a, that's a bad thing for, to happen to a football player. Um, I mean, all of that can be right and – you can still be a leader, um, and all of that could be wrong, and you could not be a leader. Um, I understand what what, what Rashad is saying, um, that eventually you got to get to a point as a quarterback, and as you, I can see you're not doing it your first year because you're trying to fit in, you're trying to learn things yourself. You want you want to earn the guy's respect, so I can see you being sort of the the guy that plays the background, just do my job and they'll respect me. I could see that the first year or two. We went through it with Joe Flacco. You know, first year, there were a bunch of leaders. So he's just, I just want to play quarterback. I just want to learn the system. You know, I just want to fit in. I don't want to, you know, I was the first-round pick. I'm the franchise quarterback, but I don't want it to seem that way. But then as the year started to go on, he knew that he had to become more assertive um, in that offense, and he did. He was a guy that, you know, he didn't mind because we're resp- – and that's the thing. The, sh- the sign of respect is this. If I can sit there and tell you you need to do your job better and you don't take offense to it, you say, you know what, you're absolutely right. I need to do my job better, and I'm going to go out and do my job. That's the sign of respect. The sign of disrespect is when he says that and you get an attitude about it. That means you don't respect what I'm saying to you. And I don't know if Marcus – they re- the problem with this is this situation is because he's such a good guy and Rashad is probably right because he's such a good guy they help no back. one they hold back yeah. what maybe they really want to say and that doesn't help anybody and it, yeah you're right and then he doesn't assert himself right. because he don't want to come off as if he he's been um not genuine. Let, let this me, is let me genuine split these when he two said half right. real quick, though, because quarterback and leader. One of the greatest leaders in the history of sports was Derek Jeter. Great, one of the greatest captains of all time. Derek Jeter was not a vocal guy. We don't know that. Led, led but by, but, but we don't know that. But it was no, pretty much unanimous. No, no, we don't know what he said 
when they were inside the bull, inside the dugout, or inside the and locker room. We only see, but led by but, example. We, we, but what I'm saying is, we only see. He's not. It, it's pretty widely known that he was not a screamer. But like, it, it, but it's not about being a screamer. But I, let's, I let's think, take that to the quarterback uh-huh. position in the NFL, though. I. I'm thinking about the NFL today. Tom Brady, very vocal. Rivers, vocal. Breeze, uh, Breeze, vocal. vocal. What great quarterback today is relatively reserved? Deshaun Watson? Not even Deshaun Watson. Yeah, he's because you've seen him kind of, and I've seen Patrick Mahomes look at his receivers like, "What are you doing?" Like you as a quarterback in this day and age. Mahomes has got vocal. Vocality? Yeah. We can make it out of words. Okay. He'll, he'll get animated. Yeah. Yeah. But but Watson's a good one. He stay he stays pretty pretty yeah. cool. He the quarterbacks now the quarterback nowadays is different. I think you have to be um you have to be sort of a you have to be that vocal leader. Because if you're not, then who are people you don't want as much as There's I not- love Taylor Lewan and him being the voice. I don't want him to be the voice. That's yeah. I, I just want well, Taylor to do his job. And there's another side of this too. You don't want somebody. You don't want them to be Baker Mayfield. You don't want them to be so far into the vocal leader category that it's like costing your team. You know, there's too much attention. I don't. Right? I don't. You know what? I don't mind Baker. Well, Mayfield. I, I don't either. But some people. If you're, you know, the only reason it's looking bad for Baker now because they're not winning. Baker, Baker, though, there's a difference in being a vocal leader and being a guy who just can't shut up. An antagonist. Baker Mayfield yeah. just can't shut up. No, I don't ba- know that he's a vocal leader. I think what Baker is, he, he's, and, he's, and he's always been this way from college to now, yeah, he's, he's a guy that that is so skilled at what he does, he wants everybody else to be there, too. And it comes – and people, I think they respect that about Baker. Like, listen – He's not going to hold back any punches, even with himself. He's not going to hold back any punches. I can tell you you need to do your job, but then he he seems like the type of guy that if, if Odell or, or Landry walked up to him and said, dude, you need to – he would he'll be like, okay, I'll get you next time. He's not a guy that, that, to me, he doesn't come off as a guy that can dish it but can't receive it. I, I have a really – That's why I like Baker from that aspect. Now, yeah. Can he be a better quarterback? Obviously, sure, yes. Sure. But his teammates love him, right? Exactly. There's a lot of respect for him there. And just like the teammates love Marcus, but f- sort of for different reason, right? Uh-huh. Baker's just been always been very popular in every locker room he's been in. I've got a really – I don't know if we've got time right now. I, I, I heard a really, really great story about Matt Ryan – coming into the league and and creating the balance uh-huh. between being a rookie and knowing your role and knowing your spot and then commanding a huddle and commanding presence and being a leader. So uh, I, I had uh, an NFL player tell me that, that Matt Ryan was the best that he's ever seen transition from college to pro. 615-737-1025. If you want to jump in on the conversation, we'll come back. we got a big hour of the Titans coming up in the 7 o'clock hour. Teron Davenport at 7.30. Uh, also yesterday during the Silly Underdogs Picks uh, segment with Darren Donick and Chase, one of the guest pickers is Kelly Holcomb, of course, former NFL quarterback. Uh, you'll hear his commentary on Marcus Mariota when we come back. Morning Drive, ESPN, 1025 The Game.